So what inspired meta-ideological politics is several things. Uh, I saw issues around ideology in my work in communities. So number one, I saw that ideology itself would instigate contentious conflicts and polarization. That was distinct from non-ideological conflicts. So as a mediator, I deal with a lot of community conflicts like um, people arguing over their dogs, you know, their neighbor's dogs are barking too loud, the person's fence went one foot onto my property, all of these kind of like little things. But the, when the conflict involved some kind of ideological dimension, it was way more heated and way more contentious. And I was like, huh, what is, what the hell is going on here, right? So that's something I kind of flagged in my brain. Then I saw that supposedly neutral or apolitical or nonpartisan projects, roles, or methodologies were being quote unquote contaminated by people's ideological biases. And this is, uh, I saw this left, right, and center, and people left, right, and center would all complain about other projects that were supposed to be neutral, mediational kind of positions and projects were kind of contaminated by people's ideological biases and then trust would kind of deteriorate around that, that group or around that initiative. So I saw this as a problem needed to be addressed in some way. Uh, number three, I saw that ideology itself as a key variable was causally efficacious in driving certain systemic phenomena, including self-sorting effects along ideological lines. So there's a great book on this called The Big Sort, I think, that talks about how people are sorting via zip code into ideological factions. Uh, very problematic. There's a book called Why Civil Wars Start, and it's all about uh, this being taken to the extreme, and civil wars are 14% more likely to start when you have this very intense siloing along ideological lines. And also ideology uh, socializing people and also even radicalizing people to extremism or violence, which unfortunately we've seen a lot, especially in the Pacific Northwest and Portland area. And finally, and this, this, this might be of interest to people who are coming from more of the liminal web or alternative uh, uh, internet um, community spaces, people, in my experience, would go meta on every topic except their own ideology, right? So they would go meta on theory, they go meta on everything else. But on their own ideology, there still was a kind of blind spot. And I wanted to investigate that. So what I set out to do was I determined that ideology itself must be studied as an object of analysis from a meta level or from a meta perspective. And the next 35 minutes, 40 minutes are going to be about exploring all this. So here are just what I say is the core underlying premises or assumptions underpinning the meta ideological framework. One is that the world and social political issues are complex. They have many causes. These causes combine in ways no one fully understands. We have novel emergent properties and uh, complex problems that require a lot of perspectives and solutions at various levels to address. But ideology and conventional models of politics are inadequate to deal with these challenges. Uh, they don't provide enough explanatory power. They're limited in their analysis, et cetera. But not only that, they also create additional polarization which is a problem and must be addressed along with extremism. So in economics language, we could say that conventional modes of engaging in politics uh, generate polarization and extremism as a negative externality, right? Along with advocating for what people believe in, polarization and division is generated as a negative externality or output from that process. And I thought that needed to be addressed in some way. So my conclusion is that we need a new way forward that goes beyond or goes meta on conventional politics as we know it, in order to address these challenges, right? And so we'll see what kind of techniques we can use to try to try to get that to happen. So let's let's go through defining some terms. So first, meta. This is the meta part of meta ideological politics. So what is meta? So generally, uh, there are three definitions, right? So the first is I think the the definition a lot of you are probably familiar with is it means beyond transcending or reflecting from a higher level. Right, so you're not in the thing, but you're reflecting on it from a higher level. 
and uh, maybe from a higher level of abstraction or so forth. Um, so that's in contrast to what's called object level, which is you're in the details of the, of the, you're in the weeds of the framework. The second definition of meta is metaxi or between. So, so uh, this is one of the older definitions of meta from Greek uh, language, uh, Plato used it. So between two different things. So this is more of the mediational component of meta metaxi. And for those of you who are familiar with metamodernism, Vermeulen and Van Daniker got meta from metaxi. So it's between this, and this can imply kind of oscillation which is a core part of metamodern cultural theory. And then third, meta could mean self-referentiality or something about that thing. So metacognition is thinking about thinking or cognition about cognition. Meta science is science about science. Meta theory is theory about theory. So meta ideology logically means an ideology about ideologies. So meta ideology could mean beyond ideologies, between ideologies or self-referencing ideology reflecting on itself. All of those work as potential definitions. All right, what is ideology? This is such a contentious topic, it just tickles me to no end. So I wanna hear from you. So go ahead and type your definition of ideology in the chat. I will monitor the chat and then read out loud kind of tracking what people come up with. I can even stop sharing my screen for the time being. Paul says a valued perspective. Tracy, personal beliefs. Varun, way of thinking to operate in the world ideally. Ooh, I like that definition. Informed opinion, Phyllis. Systematic political framework. Yeah, these are all these are all great. Jeff Salzman, worldview. Wondering if someone has a like a pejorative def, uh, negative. Uh, Wheaton, belief system that is important and orienting to the holder. Great. Caleb, a system of thought that organizes beliefs and actions in the social environment. Awesome. Yeah, these are, these are, these are all great definitions. Robert, hegemonic BS to exploit the workers. <laughs> awesome. Stephanie, if you want pejorative, a worldview that thinks it's the one and only right world. Yes. So kind of exclusivistic. Great, so I will um, share my screen again. So here's a dictionary of .com definition that I tend to use, right? It's a system of ideas and ideals, especially one which informs the basis of economic or political theory and policy. So it's not the policies themselves. It's the system of ideas and ideals underpinning the policy that someone arrives at. Uh, very neutral definition, right? Uh, the second one is actually the, the science of ideas. And this is from Antoine Destute de Tracy, who is a French enlightenment thinker who was imprisoned during the revolution in France. And he just meant the science of ideas, kind of similar to like philosophy or even psychology in the way he explained it in his time. So obviously the definition has changed a lot since Tracy's definition. Uh, and so, this is my personal definition that I've got from, from reading a lot on ideology, a constellation of foundational premises about politics and society, often which are contested by others that form the basis for normative prescriptions, right? So there's a kind of conflict element, which, which is what politics to me is largely about. It's that conflicting views about foundational premises that could revolve around high level abstract principles, such as justice, fairness, rights, 
human nature, causality, social ontology, morality, and other unobservable and unfalsifiable concepts. So these abstract concepts themselves may, cannot be empirically observed and therefore may not be able to be disproven, but they nevertheless inform the kind of building blocks of someone's worldview or lens that they use to bring to society. So let's look at how, when ideology or the word ideologue is invoked in an insulting or pejorative or negative fashion um, or accusatory way. And so I've tracked in conversations that I've mediated about eight different ways people bring up ideology as an insult. Uh, so the first one is ideology as a rigid, inflexible, uncompromising dogma, right? People have a certain belief or frame and it's very rigid. They're not interested in compromising or in seeing anything from any other perspective other than their own. A uh, second one, which could be related, is ideology as unpractical idealism that ignores the actual ramifications of a policy or intervention. So oftentimes it takes a form of people thinking very moralistically and not practically, and it, they, they're very causally imprecise, right? So people think of, uh, oh, they, they say, I want, I want this policy, right? Let, let's do this to solve homelessness or whatever, uh, guns, you know, uh, healthcare, abortion, whatever. And they're thinking of the moral principle behind it, but they don't think through the, the actual systemic ramifications of what will happen with that policy. And then people say, you're being too ideological, right? Third is ideology as a political or partisan bias, again, that contaminates neutrality. So people might unconsciously bring in, a, a, they might slip in ideological phrases or sentences or notions that make people a little suspicious and say, this, I thought this was a neutral space, but it seems to be kind of ideologically tinted or ideologically charged in some way. Uh, and this gets to the fourth one, which is similar, but I think kind of distinct is ideology is pushing a political ag agenda. And this is when people invoke the phrase indoctrination, like they're indoctrinating our kids or we're being indoctrinated that education or, or whatever, mediation, right? Any kind of project is contaminated by kind of political ideology that's being pushed on people. People feel forced to adopt the ideology without uh, having space for pushback or, or critical thinking, which we'll get to later. Number five is ideology as a faulty or socially or uh, faulty social political epistemics where people make Cautological assertions or claims that have no justification. In philosophy, that means there's no evidence or reasoned arguments to back up the claim, right? People just make a claim. I believe this, period, end of story. Why do you believe that? Because it is cautological. There's no justification or evidence or argument for why someone should support that. Number six is ideology is a predictable kind of pattern set of consistent behavior, right? So, so there's an interesting study that I'm sure some of you are familiar with. Where if you can predict one person's political uh, belief or position on issue, you can predict all of the rest of them. Okay, why is that? Isn't that kind of strange? Or uh, there's a novel event that happens in the world. You can predict how people are going to react because they're bringing a predictable lens or framework to viewing that particular thing. So there's this quality of stop being so predictable, like, an, you know, like something that an AI could be. Uh, behaving in that way, you know, think think for yourself. And that's closely related to number seven, which is ideology as groupthink or uh, herd mentality. It's a lack of what uh, complexity theorist Nassim Taleb calls idiosyncratic modification, right? People are group thinking, they're just regurgitating the talking points from their tribe or their side and not actually thinking through things by themselves and on, their, on each issue's own terms. My friend who's in the audience today, TJ, calls this schismogenic herd mentality. And uh, I like that. I like that term a lot. <clears throat> and then number eight is ideology is a blinding force that obstructs clear seeing. And th this is kind of when Jordan Peterson says abandon ideology. He means it in this way. 
And interesting enough, it was Karl Marx that came up with this original definition of ideology as a negative thing. Ideology is internalized false consciousness that blinds one to the oppressive nature of, in Marx's case, capitalist system. Uh, so it, it's kind of the, the, the wool that's pulled over someone's eyes, and if only they dropped it, they would see the world as it is. And I'll also critique this perspective later, but that's kind of, these are the eight ways I've observed people use ideology in a negative or insulting way. So ideology seems pretty bad in that case, right? Uh, so, so we should get rid of it. So Jordan Peterson in his book, uh, 12 More Worlds, chapter six is abandon ideology. That's rule number six, or I guess rule number 18 uh, altogether. Uh, so why not abandon ideology? So this is from atheist philosopher, Daniel Bennett. And he has a quote on philosophy and science. And what he says is there is no such thing as philosophy free science. There is only science whose philosophical baggage is taken on board without examination. So if we swap out philosophy for ideology and science for politics, we get this. There is no such thing as ideologically free politics. There is only politics whose ideological baggage is taken on board without examination. So, so we're going to really examine uh, ideology and examine our own ideological tendencies, right? So let's see a show of hands here. How many of you know someone who said, I'm not ideological or I'm beyond ideology, but then proceeded to say things or act in a very ideological way? Has anyone ever had that experience? Okay, if you see a few hands, okay, if you see a few hands being raised, yes. So my argument from my own experience is that I call this ideological bypassing or ideological blindness, right? We're trying to abandon ideology is kind of like saying, I don't have a shadow or I don't have a bias. Whenever someone says, I don't have a shadow or I don't have a bias, you can probably bet that they're pretty freaking biased, right? Uh, it, because when you don't like something, it limits our capacity to reflect on and be aware of our ideological biases and the dominant framework that we're using or applying in a certain situation. So um, here we come to the, the meta-ideological paradox is ideology must be transcended but cannot be fully abandoned. Or at least that, that orientation may not be that most helpful for fully being aware of our ideological tendencies. Right?